Jimmy Harris from, from Ozark, Missouri, but pastors in Galena, Missouri, First Baptist Church in Galena, Missouri. Amen? You know, James keeps saying that, that he is a full gospel preacher and I'm a Baptist preacher, but if, you, if the difference between James and I were food, it wouldn't be enough to live on. That's true. That's true. Jimmy, it's so good to have you. Jimmy Harris, what a blessing you are. you've been through these uh, round table. I guess it's number four. Number four. And we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation tonight and also the parable of the ten virgins. And uh, before I sit down, I want to say that we are at a time that is extraordinary. Amen. The church and the Israel exist at the same time. And this is an extraordinary time. There is a warm front moving in. The church is moving in, then moving out. And Israel is coming up and going to be judged. The perfect storm is just on the horizon in the judgment of this world. And I'm so glad I'm on the winning side. Amen? Amen. Jimmy, if I get in trouble, Praise I God. was told... I got a letter this week that told me to be good to you. It did. Be nice to you. It said, That's be, what I, it said to be nice to me. I like that. Whoever yeah. wrote that, I owe you a Coke. <laughs> Is that all? Boy, you're a cheapskate. Well, you know, you start small. Start small. <laughs> okay. Whatever you say. Uh, Jimmy and I got together. We discussed, of course, with Josh as well, because Josh being an associate pastor. And... Uh, we tried to decide whether or not we wanted to apologetic this thing about, you know, pre-trib, post-trib, um-trib, um, mid-trib, so forth. And we decided that um, rather than to try to mix things up, we decided that it would be best for you if we just go straight to the truth. Amen. And so we're not going to try to debate post-trib, mid-trib, we're just going to present to you what we believe is true concerning the end time. And it is a very exciting time when we stop and think about where we're at in the book of Revelation, where we're at with Israel. I preached this morning about the treasure in the field being Israel, and that treasure, Israel is hidden right now, but being uncovered. And uh, we're watching the nation of Israel being un uncovered now, that treasure. And we as a church were the pearl of great price. And what a great price Jesus paid to redeem us of our sin. Amen. It's like Spindletop in Texas back in 1901 or whenever it was. They hit that oil well. They didn't know exactly what they had, but they knew they had something. And the world is seeing as they uncover the importance of Israel. You know, and you got to remember that just... 75 years ago, there was no nation of Israel. That's true. <laughs> and now so, there is. And now there is. And so it's being uncovered a little bit at a time. And the world is realizing, hey, you know what? This little speck here on the Mediterranean, that may be more important than we thought it was. That's right. <laughs> the whole right. world. That's right. And the replacement theory, they're getting very nervous now. <laughs> I don't think you can replace Israel any more than you can replace the church. And church can't replace Israel, and Israel can't replace the church. Because Jesus Christ has a plan 
for the church and Israel. Amen. Hey, Pastor, may I give some encouragement to our friends who believe in covenant theology, replacement theology, and all those things? Uh, I would say that, that Jesus is going to come before you have the chance to lose your job. I promise you'll still be able to feed yourself when <laughs> Jesus comes, even though you don't think he's coming the way we do. <laughs> He's coming. You'll not dodge the bullet. I'm I, I believe right he's now. coming that quick. You don't have to Amen. worry about your gig. <laughs> now, there's a lot of people out there that, that they're looking for a great revival coming before the rapture of the church. And let me just simply say this. I'm for revival. And I would love to see an outpouring of God's power upon the earth. I'd love to see a massive revival. You, you know, so I'm not throwing any wet blankets on anything here. But I want you to understand something. Don't say there cannot be a rapture until there's a great revival. Don't say that. But say there can be a rapture before there is a great revival. Yes. And you know, if there we is don't want to limit what God, I mean, God's going to do what God's going to do. And, you know, when it comes time, he's going to come, ready or not. Exactly. And so I want to see a great revival. We have seen great revivals in the past, the Welsh revival, the great Pentecostal movement in the early or latter 1800s, the great movement of, of uh, the revival uh, meetings in the 70s with the uh, Jesus movement, the Azusa Street. What year was the Azusa Street? Uh, was it 1901 or 1906? Yeah. 1900, early yeah. 1910s, early 1900s. I can't remember these. And so the church has seen massive revivals in the past, and even over in other countries tonight while I speak, they're having massive revivals. So we need to understand that, um, you know, God could flood this place with great revival any moment, and then again, he could take us home any moment. And, and so we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation. Jimmy? And just, just quickly, if he does, I'm not going to be sad. I'm going to be happy. Because I spent most of the last 25 years trying to preach revival. You know, <laughs> I want, want revival. I want, I want revival. I want people to live holy lives, and I want people to be soul winners. That is, that is my goal. But uh, I've, you know, studied it. James talked about Azusa Street. He talked about the Welsh revival. And then later on, the Jesus movement that started it actually in the summer of love in 1967. It was the year that I got saved. And I think what I see with the, the shrinking of the congregations and the America, and at least our society, turning its back as a society on God, I think that we're running on the fumes of that full gas I tank do. right I now. I do, I do. And, and that's why I think, I think about, about uh, things that Jesus said, iniquity will be abound, iniquity will abound because the love of many shall wax cold. I see coldness, apostasy falling away. I don't see a big revival before the rapture. But if, but there comes if it one, happens, great. Yeah, Lord, we're going bring, for it. it Amen. <laughs> if, you, if you're missing a leg, we want it to grow back in Jesus' name. Absolutely. Praise if you're missing God. an eye, we want you, you want, we want you to get another eye in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're missing a brain, we want you to get one in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. I thought we weren't going to talk politics. Oh, well. Uh, you're right. Thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate that. Amen. It's so good to be with you, Jimmy. I've enjoyed our time and the blessings that the Lord has brought our way. It's exciting. Um, 
We're going to talk first a little bit about the outline of the book of Revelation. And you need to understand that the outline of the book of Revelation is pre-trib. It is pre-trib. When you try to mix up verses in different places, different trumpets, different seals, different what, what you do is you end up with a lot of confusion. But if you read it for what it says and see the outline, it's an easy outline. I mean, the book of Revelation is hard enough to understand when you don't go by the outline. It's really bad. And so we're going to be looking at the outline of the book of Revelation, and it is premillennial. Uh, the first chapter talks about Jesus resurrected in his glorified power. Praise God. Walking in, in amongst the, the people, we're being blood washed and blood bought, and uh, God has made us to his glory. Chapter one, the resurrected Christ. Chapter two and three is the church. Uh, and chapter uh, four and five is the church. Well, let me put it like this two and three is Jesus in the church, and three and four is the church. With Jesus. Are you listening to me? Chapter 2 and 3 is Jesus with the church. Chapter 4 and 5 is the church with Jesus. So verse 7 says, Behold, he cometh with the clouds. This is chapter 1. And every eye shall see him, and also which pierced him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. When Jesus comes for the church, not every eye will see him. Every eye will be affected, but when Jesus comes for the church, not every eye will see him. He will come in the clouds of glory. The Bible says that the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 and on. And when Jesus descends from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel um, will be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The church, Jesus doesn't come to the earth. The church goes to be with him right. in the catching away of the church. But here in verse 7, it's talking about Jesus coming to the earth. And you can touch that with Zechariah chapter 12, Zechariah chapter 14. Jesus Christ is going to return. And when he returns, Israel as a nation will be reborn. Not every individual, but the nation will be secured, uh, fastened down, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, a whole nation saved at that moment. And so we thank God for the fact that there's a difference between the church and Israel. Right, Jimmy? Absolutely. And always remember, the, you know, the church is not Israel. Israel is not the church. God made promises to Israel. Some of them have not been fulfilled. So either they, he will fulfill them or he's a liar. If he's a liar, we might as well go play, uh, you know, ping pong or something instead of worshiping Christ. You see, we have to, to know that he's faithful to Israel, or how can we trust him to be faithful for us? One of my favorite, favorite names for Jesus is in verse 5 of this chapter 1 of, of Revelation. It says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. See, Jesus doesn't ever forget. 
We, right. he, he remembers every prayer that he you does. prayed to him. He remembers everything you asked him for. Amen. He remembers every time you praised his name. He remembers every tear you shed for him or for one of the brethren. He remembers every time you went out of your way to help somebody in his name. He doesn't forget anything. And it, it's promised. It says our tears are stored up in a bottle. The things we do and the things we say are written down in a book. We learn that from Malachi and from the Psalms and from Isaiah. He doesn't forget anything at all. And so because he's faithful with us, we know that he is going to be faithful with Israel because then uh, he, would, he would have like a split personality. He wouldn't right, be the same right. God, but he's the same God. And unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins... With his own blood. blood. What an awesome verse of scripture. Now, let's look at the outline of the book of Revelation. And I mean, believe the, the Bible ought to be its own interpretation. I mean, honestly, I read commentaries. I listen to other preachers. Uh, they confuse me quite often sometimes. But the, the best commentary is of the Bible. It is the Bible itself. Yes. And verse 19 gives us the outline of the book of Revelation. Yes. Verse 19, John, uh, Jesus is speaking to John on the Isle of Patmos. He says, write the things which thou hast seen. That's chapter one. The things which are chapter two and three, the church age, and chapter four and five hereafter. That's chapter four, verse one, five and on. And so it's divided up pretty clear. Most of the book of Revelation is going to be after the church is gone. Most the of the book of Revelation will be fulfilled after the church is gone. You say, where are we in the book of Revelation? Well, we're a church, aren't we? Yep. We're in chapter 2 and chapter 3. Write the things which are. We are in the R generation. And then there'll be a change. And verse 4 says, um, actually, you can put the the catching away church here, what John experienced in the spirit, the church will experience in body and spirit when we're changed. Verse one of chapter four of Revelation. After this, after what? After chapter two and three and one. After this, after what? After the church. After this. What does that mean after that? Well, after you and I, after this. Behold, a door was opened in heaven. By the way, Jesus is a door. The first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show you things which must be hereafter. Remember the things that were, the things that are, and the things that are to come. Right. And now he's going to show us the things that are to come. Before we get out of chapter one, Pastor, let me just, okay. I know that James has preached to you to this before, but uh, in verse three, of chapter 1, I want you to realize that, that, that this is the only book in the Bible where we're promised an extra special blessing if we'll just read it and study it and hold it tight. It says in verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things that are written therein, for the time is at hand. Chapter there's, 1. There's no other book that, uh, that, that says you get a special, bleed, uh, special blessing just for reading this book and for being open to it. Right. Amen. Amen. So any, anybody wants an extra blessing, here's your chance. <laughs> well, something about the church, we need to understand the church isn't seen any, 
after chapter 4 and 5. The church is no longer seen after chapter 2 and 3 and then 4 and 5 together in the church in the presence of God. From there on, chapter 6 on, the church is not seen again till chapter 19, 20, 21, and 22. So all those chapters, the church is not there. God is dealing with Israel. And the book of Revelation is about King of Kings coming back to earth to set up his kingdom on earth, Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is really not about the rapture. It's about mm. Jesus coming in Revelation to set up his kingdom. And so that's real important that we understand that when you start getting it mixed up, then you get in big trouble. When you start trying to take a verse here and a verse there, Revelation's hard enough to study without you know, blowing past its outline that John gives us there in verse 19 of Revelation chapter 1. Great outline. And uh, if you go for that outline, you'll be encouraged and know that the Lord could come in any moment. And when you don't understand the position of Israel in God's plan, uh, then, then things can, then you can, you can have some strange ideas and some strange doctrines because uh, just like this idea that James talked about at the beginning, that that there would have to be some kind of great revival before the rapture could come. Well, that's, A, that's not in the Bible. That's not what the Bible teaches. And uh, the evidence of our own eyes would tell us that, that that's just not happening. But if it were to happen, but we'd be thrilled happen, about it. It would be wonderful, like we say. But uh, I think that if we just follow this outline and think about, as much as anything, the revelation of Jesus Christ is the revelation of the Messiah to his people Israel because chapter 6 through the end of chapter 18 are devoted entirely to the judgments upon the earth and the uh, the deception of Israel by the beast and false prophet and the supernatural protection of Israel by God himself during the last half of that tribulation so it, it is all about Israel and Israel's enemies and right now, Israel stepped up to the plate. It's obvious Israel's in the news, and you're seeing what's happening. Transfer. I'm getting excited, amen. And um, I wouldn't rule out a great Azusa Street revival. I wouldn't rule out a great Jesus movement in, like they had in the 70s. Don't rule that out. What I rule out is saying that Jesus can't come. He can come. He can come before this meeting's over. He, you know, he's going to do what he's going to do. Yeah. And he's not restricted because there are no signs to the kitchen way of the church. They are pointing to Israel. Pastor James has been preaching this for several weeks. I've been listening to the Sunday messages, and then we've been doing these talks. Uh, he's preaching that there are no signs for the rapture, and that's true. And if we say that a revival has to come before the rapture can come, it's the same as saying, well, we've got to have a sign, or we've got to know who the Antichrist is. No, there are no signs to the rapture. If there was a sign for the rapture, Jesus would have told us. But again, the only sign is. As Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly, belly of the whale, well, so shall the Son of Man spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's the only and sign And the heart of the got. earth is not just the grave. The heart of the earth is... Death. He spent three days and three nights in death, went into the heart of the earth and brought paradise out and took the Old Testament saints and those that died prior into heaven. So, he we, so we need to understand, need to understand that great revival 
You know, the latter rain. The argument will be, well, what about the latter rain? It began on the day of Pentecost. Amen. And it has been raining ever since. We know because Peter said that, that this is a fulfillment of that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit. And those rains will intensify. I'd like to see a good rain in Highlandville. Oh, yeah, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it right here on that, Highway, uh, that, highway uh, whatever we're on. Here, here Selmore Road. I guess it used to be a highway a long time we're ago. We're talking about two different <laughs> rains. Anyway, the latter rain is important, and we need to understand, don't rule it out. We can't, we can't say God can't because the Bible says it is impossible to please him uh, if you don't believe in him. It is, for it is impossible to, to please God if you don't believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek you in, Revel, in Hebrews eleven six. So please, please hear me. We're not throwing wet blankets on no, anybody. No. We're just trying to say Jesus Christ is on his way and I'm excited about it. Amen. Amen. And it's wonderful to know that Jesus Christ could come any moment. We're going to talk about some of that stuff in just a little bit, but I think we ought to look at, before we go further into Revelation, I think we ought to look at the 10 verses. Okay. All right, ready to look at the 10 verses? Matthew 25. Most of you um, have heard all kinds of sermons about the ten virgins. And we preach most of them. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> just kidding. Matthew 25, and, and uh, we'll read it to you in just a little bit, but I, I want to clear up some things right from the start. Verse 1 says there are ten virgins. That don't mean they were bridesmaids. They were bride wannabes. Did you hear me? They were not 10 bridesmaids. I know that because no bridegroom's going to come and pick up 10 bridesmaids. Because his wife will kill him when he gets home. The wedding will be called off. So the 10 virgins is not bridegrooms. They are bride wannabes. And in those days, they had more than one wife. And Jesus Christ is is sharing this parable with us that these 10 virgins took their lamps and went out, went forth to meet the bridegroom, meaning they were wanting to get married. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps, verse three, took no oil with them, but they, they that were foolish took no lamps, uh, took their lamps with no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels and with their lamps. Notice something, Jimmy. They both went to meet and wanted to meet the bridegroom. That's right. Both they just the part wise of the and party. the foolish, both the wise and the foolish wanted to be a bride. And they, uh, they heard the cry that the, they were going out to meet the bridegroom. They got together. They, uh, they were waiting. Uh, wives were waiting. The wives went with oil in, in their lamps. They went uh, prepared. The foolish, in verse 3, they went with their lamps but took no oil with them. And the wise took oil in their vessels, verse 4, with their lamps. And then there was a cry. While they tarried, they slept and slumbered, but then there was a cry. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Now, what was the response of these, these virgins? 
The response of the virgins was they rose quickly and began to trim their lamps to get ready. The foolish that took no oil with them, their lamps went out. I mean, just dead went out. The foolish lamp, their, their lamps went out. But the wise lamps were burning bright. And when that happened, the foolish said, hey, 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 give us some <coughs> of your oil. Our lamps have gone out. And the wise pretty much said something like this, no, 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 I'm not taking any chances. You go buy some oil for yourself. I'm not going to give you. Not so. The scripture says yeah. not so. Now, what I want you to understand something, most people who teach on the ten virgins teach, well, they went, the foolish went to hell and the wise went to heaven. Don't listen to this. That isn't true. <laughs> what if I was to tell you that Jesus in his peril about his coming said they were the wise, they were on their tippy toes, their lamps were burning, they had oil in their lamps, they had oil in their vessels. And when Jesus Christ comes, they're ready. And they're taken, when the bridegroom comes, they're taken away by the bridegroom. The foolish, they tried to get oil, but they couldn't get it from the wise. So the Bible says they went out to get oil. They went out to buy for themselves. And when they went out to get oil, they came back. Are you listening to me? Verse 10, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. You need to understand something. It doesn't say they didn't find oil. That's right. Why did they even come back and knock on the door if they didn't have oil? That's right. It didn't say their lamps weren't burning when they got back. See, the thread is, give us some of your oil, then it's go buy some oil. And so they went to buy oil, and they came back. And when they came that's, back? That's the thread of it. They had, they had the oil, oil when they came back. It doesn't say they didn't have oil. It says they came. And, it, you know, honestly, why would they be knocking on his door if they didn't have oil in their lamps burning when they returned? Afterward, verse 11 came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. He said, oh, but the next verse says, but he answered and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, I know you're not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. This parable is only found in Matthew 25. And you need to understand, it does not say the five foolish went to hell. That's right. They found oil, they came, you say, but it says, I don't know you. Well, you know, uh, there's a lot of women out there, but I only, know G I only know Judy. You need to understand that when he says, I don't know you, it didn't mean that he didn't know of them, it means that you're not a bride. When he says, I don't know you, it means you're not a bride. Brother James, Lay it on him. I know where you're headed. I know that, uh, I know that uh, when I got married, I learned over the years that there are two women in the world. One of them's my wife, and the other ones ain't. And, uh, and, and so that's how I figured that out. Repeat that again. I only know two women in the world. There's, there's, one of them's my wife, and the rest of them ain't. There you Those go. Those are the only that's two wisdom. women I know. Uh, but 
you'll notice there's a huge difference. There's, a, there's another verse that sounds almost just like this. You know, he says, I know you not. And James says, I, what he's saying is, I don't, know you as, I don't know you as my bride. But if you go back to Matthew 7, there's something that is similar when the people said, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart never. from me, that ye that work iniquity. He doesn't say this to them. He just says, I know you not. And he doesn't say depart. He doesn't say they're working iniquity. He doesn't say they're false prophets. He just says, be ready. Be ready. You be ready. You weren't ready. You weren't ready. You missed out on being the bride of Christ. You weren't ready. You missed out on being caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and becoming part of the bride of Christ and the great marriage supper of the Lamb when he returns back to earth. You weren't ready. But that, but that doesn't mean that they're not saved. Did you know there's going to be people saved after the catching way of the church? It's true. There's going to be multiplied millions of people saved after the catching way of the church. In fact, the greatest revival will be on the other side of the of church the being caught up into heaven. And you say, well, I think they just lose their way. No, no, no. Mm. They will be a massive revival during the great tribulation. Some of you Massive have, revival. Some of you have heard me say before that I believe in what I call the grandma revival. It begins the day after the rapture. And this, these virgins that did not have their oil ready, they're, one, they're some of them. And there's going to be people on the day after the rapture that are going to say, you know, grandma was right, or mom was right, or my brother was right. And they're going to pick up that Bible, and they're going to read John 3.16 or something, and they're going to fall down on their knees. They're going to praise God. But they didn't have oil in their lamps. They will be in heaven. They, be, they will be in heaven with us, but they did not go up in the rapture, but they will be redeemed. They will be saved. They want to go to heaven. They wanted to be ready, but they, they weren't. Out, of, out of slothfulness, mm -hmm. they were not ready. You may have some grandchildren that won't be ready, some children that won't be ready. There'll be people that won't be ready, but they can still be saved. That's right. Because there's the grace of God. You say, what about the strong delusion to believe a lie? That is the covenant the Antichrist makes, and there's a strong delusion upon them that they'll believe a lie because they reject the truth and they take the mark of the beast, so forth. Jim, uh, James has talked about a, a, that there could be a large amount of time, actually an unknowable amount of time between the rapture and the confirmation of the covenant between the Antichrist and Israel, which actually starts the tribulation. There should the be covenant. some time in there. And it's going to take the Antichrist and say, well, the Antichrist will get all this stuff off the Internet. Nobody will be able to hear about Jesus. But until he consolidates his power and shuts everything off and gathers everything up, there's going to be Bibles everywhere. There's going to be tapes and CDs and DVDs and all kinds of stuff. There will be a huge witness on this earth right after the rapture because we will have left it. And God won't be without a witness. Mm -mm. There's the two witnesses in Revelation 11. There's 144,000 in Revelation chapter 7. There will be people saved in the great tribulation. So don't tell people, uh, you know, you, you can't get saved after the catching away of the church. Tell people that there's always a merciful God, and they should be prepared to turn to God. Whatever their plight in life is, they, they need to return to Jesus Christ. 
Revelation chapter 6, the white horse rides out, Antichrist makes a covenant with Israel. Uh, red horse rides out, breaks the covenant, massive war. Uh, black horse rides out, starvation, devastation. A third of the planet dies of starvation. Pale horse rides out, disease. Just massive wrath of God begins during chapter 6. And by the way, let me remind you of something. Chapter 1, 2, and 3 of Revelation and 4 and 5 reads like a New Testament Bible. But chapter 6 on reads like an Old Testament Bible. Why? Because everything's just changed. The church has been gone. Now let me show you some people that's, that were saved during, um, during the, the tribulation, opening of the... The first seal, the opening of the first seal was the white horse, second seal, red horse, third seal, black horse, fourth seal, uh, the uh, pale horse, and then you have the fifth seal, and notice the fifth seal talks about um, people being saved, uh, people giving their hearts to Christ, and that fifth seal, when it is open, there'll be a massive, a massive amount of people that are saved and given eternal life. Um, let's look just for a minute at the, first, uh, the fifth seal. Verse 9 of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 9. And he opened the fifth seal. That's after the white horse, red horse, um, uh, black horse, pale horse. A third of the planet dies through starvation, war, bloodshed, great upheaving. Notice in verse 9, 10, and 11... The fifth seal is open, and what do you see in the fifth seal? I saw under the altar souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony they held. You say, see right there? That's the church being killed. No. Verse 10, and they cried with a loud voice saying, Lord, how long, uh, holy and true, dost thou not judge the avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? That's not a New Testament prayer. That's not a church prayer. That's an Old Testament prayer. The church is in heaven at this point. Yeah. Verse 11, and the white robes were given unto them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet a little while for a little season until the fellow servants, Old Testament servants, and their brethren, Jewish brothers, Jewish people are killed. So we're talking about Old Testament saints and tribulation saints. We're not talking about church saints. Right. And so right here it says there'll be a massive amount of people. And then it climaxes. Uh, chapter 7, we see a massive uh, outpouring of revival. Uh, and, of course, the 144,000 are called out, and they preached the gospel. And the 144,000... 12,000 from each tribe of Israel. Notice it isn't 12,000 from each tribe of the church from Israel. These were Jewish evangelists. And after this, I beheld verse 9 of chapter 7. After the 144,000 evangelists, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man can number, of all nations and kindreds and people, of tongues, uh, different tongues, all tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. What you're seeing is a revival in massive proportion 
during the great tribulation. And they're being saved to the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11 mm -hmm. and to the 144,000 in Revelation chapter 7. Now, you know, the, this, this, uh, this number in heaven, you know, when these 144,000 are martyred, it's not limited to them. Because of the 144,000, there is a great multitude that nobody could number. Think about how many millions and millions upon millions of people are going to be redeemed because of the evangelistic work of this bunch of people. Uh, 144,000? 144,000s, as James said last week, Jewish Billy Grahams running around and leading people to Christ. Uh, if we had 144 in Ozark, we could do some serious damage. We wouldn't need 144,000. Now, I don't want to glorify. <laughs> I, I don't want to glorify anybody irreverently. But have you ever seen a Jew on fire for Jesus? They they are massive, aggressive. Mm -hmm. They are incredible. But you know what? Whether they were believers or not, or whether they were Orthodox or not, uh, orthodox or not, that, that most of them had had the uh, had the Hebrew training in, in Hebrew school when they were young at the at the synagogue, and so they have a foundation. And then someone argued the fact over one of our clips that we put on YouTube. By the way, that one is what? How many is that one now? Twenty-seven thousand. Yeah. Twenty-seven thousand views. I don't know twenty-seven people. On I don't one of think. the clips. And uh, that's why they're telling me to be nice to Jimmy. But anyway, 27,000 clips, uh, views on that. And so um, we are in unusual times. And we need to be ready because the Lord could come at any moment. And God has a plan for Israel. And we're starting to see that unfold now. And that's awesome. Amen? Amen. And so we, we do need to understand the importance of God bringing the nation of Israel back to Himself, we see a we see a uh, a shift in ver in chapter six. Of course, James went from chapter six to to chapter nineteen, and this is about Israel. But it's if you you read you read all of these verses and all of these judgments, some of those judgments are not against Israel, but some of those judgments are actually to the people who are persecuting Israel. Uh, some of them are, 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 are judgments of comeuppance to, 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 to Jerusalem. And, and, and they got their temple back, but at what a cost. As we read in, uh, in chapter 13 of Revelation, where this beast makes it to where anybody that won't worship him uh, is going to be killed. Uh, this is a very Jewish, very Hebraic thing. The Catholics call... Uh, Revelation Judah Apocrypha, which is Latin for uh, Jewish apocalyptic literature, which means it's to the word means to be hidden or something. But it's a it's really a revelation. You know, we translate it. The, the King James translators translated it as revelation because it's Jesus revealing Himself to this lost and dying world in this book. But there's so many things here, like the ten virgins. That is has nothing to do with the church exactly. For the, for, especially for the brides that didn't have their lamps because it is a very Jewish parable yeah. because, you know, you go back to Solomon and he had 700 wives and 300 porcupines. Right. And, uh, Cucumber vine. <laughs> and, and so, 
you know, if there Combines. was if there was if there was ten if there were ten maidens waiting on the king, that was not a big deal in those days, you know. And so uh, that was just it was a different world. That's the way it worked. But uh, but it's a very very Jewish in its tone. Yeah. And I didn't think I don't think Solomon had any woman that looked like a combine. I don't either, do or a porcupine. <laughs> <laughs> but it, his head was turned by the Queen of Sheba. You know, yonder she come. Anyway, you gonna say that? Yeah, no. <laughs> I just want to say that we we don't want to lose sight here and, and get particular. Say, well, God doesn't deal with me like that. Well, of course not. You people have been, uh, that believe, and I, I can't imagine you would come out on a Sunday night when there's a football game on if you weren't saved. You know, you'd be at home watching football and eating pizza. And so, you know, I, I, I would just say that, that, that to the saved, to the people that Jesus have bought with his own blood, uh, of course he's treating you different than he is treating unbelievers in this rapture. But he keeps stumbling over and over and over and going out of his way to say, it's still open to you. It's still open. The door's still open. We're, you know, you can come with me. You don't have to stay here. You don't have to be in the tribulation. You don't have to go to hell. You obtain mercy. I bought you. All you got to do is just sign up. You know, so don't get these things that we're saying about these people that are living in the tribulation, what we call the tribulation saints. They will be saved. They will be redeemed. They are not a part of the church. That's true. That's the true. rapture is for the church only. And that is everybody that got saved from the day of Pentecost until the day that Jesus appears in the clouds and right. says, come up hither. It's for the church only. But like the, like the five virgins that didn't have their all ready, that doesn't mean that they lose out on heaven. That just means they don't get to go to the marriage feast. And by the way, when the rapture does take place or, you know, the evacuation of the church and Jesus comes and gives us a new body, not only our body being changed, but the, those that sleep in Christ raised from the dead, given a new body. Remember when Jesus Christ comes for his, for his people, he's not coming for Old Testament saints. Right. He's coming for the church. Church. And when he raises his people from the dead, he's not raising up the Old Testament saints. Nope. They don't get raised again until the end of the tribulation. And that's when the Old Testament saints are raised so that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can sit at the, in the table kingdom. and have this big marriage supper of the Lamb yeah. on earth. Yeah. The marriage is in heaven. The marriage supper is on earth. There's a, a very, there's a very strange verse that I don't think Paul doesn't even make it clear. And he says, for some reason, they could not be made perfect without us. Right. Paul did not understand it himself. Talking about Israel and the, these saints that in a chapter 11 of Hebrews in the hall of faith, he goes through all these people, but he says, you know, God has decided that, that without us, he won't make them perfect. And I don't know exactly what it means. I don't think he did. But it's all intertwined. Uh, I, I believe that why James said when, when, when Jewish people get saved and, and they recognize Yeshua as the Savior, they go all out. They're, they do. They, they go do. out shooting with both guns. They're ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. They're yeah. ready to go because they understand that they have been snatched from the, from the fires of hell. They understand it. So this is the same God who spoke to my 
Father Abraham. This is the same God that spoke to my father David. His name is Jesus. And, yeah. and, that's, and, and they're ready to go. They have the enthusiasm. That's right. And somebody asked me the other day, where are we in the book of Revelation? Where are we? We're in the church age. And we're at the church of Philadelphia and Laodicea. And the church of Philadelphia, God promised him in, in verse 9, it says, because thou hast kept the word of my patient, patience, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that are upon the, the earth, to, that dwell upon the, dwell upon the earth. So we need to understand that God promised you and I that when that hour comes that will be poured out upon the earth of judgment, the church will be kept from that hour of judgment because we'll be caught up. You say, well, where will we, where, where would, where will we be caught up in Revelation? After this, I looked, and behold, the door was open, saying, come up hither. And in verse 2, it says, in chapter 4, immediately I was in the Spirit, and I saw the throne of God. And we see in chapter 4 and 5, the church with Jesus Christ. In so, heaven. Yeah. And you want to see another rapture verse in Laodicea. Remember Laodicea was the church that was not hot nor cold. They was lukewarm. And remember what Jesus Christ said to them? <laughs> verse 16. <laughs> Revelation 3.16. This is what Jesus Christ said to the Laodicean church. Because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. So when the church is caught up, <coughs> they're spewed out. Oh, the difference between John 3.16 and Revelation 3.16. Yeah, big difference. <laughs> big difference. Uh, but there's, I just want to say that you're talking about Philadelphia and Laodicea. You know, all these seven churches, uh, God goes through a list, and he, you know, he, he says some good things about them and some bad things about them. There are two churches he didn't have anything bad to say about no reprimands, and that was to Smyrna, the martyr church, yep. and to Philadelphia, the evangelistic church. Uh, but to Laodicea, he didn't have anything good to say to him. <laughs> Not one praise. That's right. <laughs> and Jesus warned us in Luke chapter 21, verse 34 through 36, Jesus warned us, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, with surfeiting and drunkenness. And the cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, pray always, that you may be accounted worthy, worthy to escape all those things which shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Amen. I want to share something with you, and then we're going to open up for discussion. Jimmy may have some more that he want to share. He'll want to share. Don't ask me. I always got something else to say. You always get me in trouble. I, Sunday night's my favorite thing. I like it better than watching football because because I I love talking about the Bible. I just love it. I would just sit about it and trying to talk about it all day. Oh Go man, ahead, you Pastor. can't can, you cannot compare church to football. Well, Football's to, not good enough. Well, how about eating? Eating is. <laughs> eating's pretty good. <laughs> eating's, eating, in fact, eating is real good. <laughs> I saw many. You got, huh? I saw many men of God at Gateway today. 
Did you? Many pastors of many different denominations. What were you doing Somehow there? they all got together at Gateway. Well, we went to... What were you doing there? We went to decorate a grave of wheelchair Oh, I've heard it Linda. all now. And when they got through, they said, hey, you want to go eat? And we said, sure. So we stopped at Gateway on the way home. Oh, okay. That's how it happened. All right. <laughs> Let me say one more thing. See, we shall all have to give an account. You've already said enough. To, you have, Jimmy, you've already said enough tonight to get me in trouble. But anyway, <laughs> I, I want to share something with you, and I've, my church is no stranger to this. But when Jesus said he was coming again, he always said, he didn't use the term, the Son of God comes. He didn't use the term that he's God that returns. He always used the term, the Son of Man comes. The exact Jesus that was crucified on the cross of Calvary, that died, was buried, and rose again, that exact Son of Man will return to earth. He's the King. He's the Son of David. And when He comes in Revelation chapter 19, upon His head, many crowns. And He comes in victorious, and He's coming as King of the Jews. He's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords, King over all people. He's coming back as the son of David. He's coming back as a man. Acts chapter 1, this same Jesus shall come again. The same one. Same one you see go up is the same one's going to come back. Amen. Amen. So what I want to see besides the son of man, we'll get to heaven and you'll see all you can see. But you'll have brand new glorified bodies or your eye sockets will be burned out when you see the Jesus in his glorified state. Amen. I'm glad I'm going to have a glorified body. Amen. Amen. And in that glorified body, I won't have to do this. I can look at Jesus because I'll be built to last. And we don't want to be like old Balaam. I will see him, but not nigh. <laughs> yeah. I will see him. But not now. Yep. True. Because that means he's seeing him at the great white throne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another subject for another day. That is. Okay. We're going to open up for questions and answers. That way we can move a little quicker. And once again, we're not trying to prove anything. We're not trying to force anything. We're just trying to share with you what we believe is biblical truths. And I'm excited about the fact that Jesus could come any moment. Amen? I'm excited about the blood of Jesus, excited about the glory of God. I'm excited about the promise that God would keep us from that great tribulation period. Yes. Jimmy, Pastor, I appreciate what you're doing. I really do. I, after the seals, the trumpet judge, judgments come into play, Yes. And I'm not wanting to get in a big discussion on but I had a question about uh, the bottom of the pit and the, I think it's the fifth trumpet when it's opened up. Yes. My question is, is do either one of you know where in the scriptures tells when that bottom of the pit was filled up? When, when it when was did sealed? That happen? Do you know? I mean, when it was sealed? Yeah. But, well, when they, all them characters that come out of there, well, some Bible scholars believe that that was when um, 
Alexander the Great died, and yeah, those were sealed. No scriptures per se. Well, if there's anything that would even lead us to that, it would be the woman that that was pure evil that was in a vessel in I think it's in Amos where he talks about the angels carry this vessel that's nothing but pure evil and yeah, put that, on a put on a pedestal. Is that in Amos? Yeah, this is Zechariah chapter five. That's and, right. And they, it fly is exactly it, right. they fly it the storks take over yeah, and fly it yeah. to the land of Shinar, You're which right. is Babylon. The land of Shinar is Babylon. So it could be that. I'm not sure. That's that's the kind of answer you but want. But we do know that sure. we don't know whether it's the same bottomless pit, but at the beginning of chapter twenty, an angel takes a, throng, a strong chain and throws Satan down into the abyss, of the bottomless pit, and seals it with a great chain where he can't get out for a thousand years. Is it the same one? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. It, it, the Bible doesn't tell us whether. Exactly, whether it's the same But or I not. believe they're probably in that chamber, what is it, uh, Taurus that yeah. Peter speaks of? Tar Tartaru. Tartarus. It's a, um, one of the names of hell. It's only used a couple of times. That's another compartment of hell. They like might a, be there. Maybe those associated with Genesis 6, too, the angels. Yeah, the angels that sinned. Left the angels the, that left fell. Left estate. Very possible. Uh, that they were held in chains yeah, of, darkness chains of darkness for the final judgment. That, that could be that could be that area. That could be that part of that deal, like yeah. like solitary confinement. I don't I don't know, but what crawls out of that bottomless pit is pretty fearsome. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 horrible. Anybody else have a question? Raise your hand if you have a question. If we if I don't know it, I'll let Jimmy answer it. It takes the Holy Spirit to draw a. A person into Jesus Christ. Is that correct? Well, when the rapture comes, the saints are drawn up. Isn't the Holy Spirit gone then? Or is the Holy Spirit still here? I don't believe that the Holy Spirit will be gone. I don't believe it will be gone according to the uh, Peter preaching in Acts chapter 2. that He'll be there in the last days. The Holy Ghost will be there pouring out the Spirit on all flesh. I think what you find, where is that, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, yeah, where only he who now led us will let until he be taken out of the way. I think the church is the one that's taken out of the way. The Holy Spirit will still be here. And the I believe the church is the one that's going to be taken before uh, the great tribulation begins. Josh and James and I discussed this Thursday in our preparation. We need to like have a pre-programmed program called Prayer and Prep, and we'll serve hors d'oeuvres. No, uh, but... But we discussed your question uh, and about, about the Holy Ghost being upon the earth, and we came to the conclusion about the character of God. You can't take away an attribute of God, and one attribute, and the Holy Ghost is God. He's God, the Holy Spirit. So he's just as much God as Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's just as much God as God the Father. And one of the attributes of God is that God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at the same time. So he can't not be here. The other thing is the very first chapter of the Bible, the second verse, uh, after God created the heaven and the earth, it said, and the Spirit of God moved upon the water. You know, he didn't just come at Pentecost. The Holy, the Holy Ghost was here from the beginning. The same was in the beginning with God. You could say the same thing about him in, those, in that regard as you said about Jesus because he's God. Yeah. Yeah. It was the Holy Ghost that came upon Saul. Samuel told him, he said, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you, and you'll be a different man. 
you get a second chance then? So if I don't make it now, then I get a second chance? Well, Jonah did. God's no respect to person. I would assume that God is always willing to forgive and be merciful. Yes. Uh, I know that preachers have taught that contrary, but I think you have to deliberately take the mark and deliberately be deceived and deliberately take, um, you know, deliberately rebel against God right. in order to be damned forever. And that mark can't take place until somewhere way in, well into the tribulation because the Antichrist is going to have to have time to organize and consolidate everything. And, and let, let me say this. Uh, the predominant preaching, and I think James would agree, although we don't agree with this doctrine, the, prominent, the, the prevalent preaching for the last 30, 40 years has been that if you miss the rapture, you're lost That's because, not... uh, because you'll fall for the strong delusion that'll come. Well, but, you may be, but that but don't you mean may everybody's going to do but it. But it doesn't mean that you can't be saved because that limits God and that denies the power of God. And the foolish virgins is proof of that as yeah. well in Matthew 25. But, and that may be the reason that parable's there because be. of that question. And you also got to remember 1 Thessalonians is about the church being caught up to meet the Lord. And 2 Thessalonians is about God dealing with Israel. The tribulation. The great tribulation period. And it says here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity doeth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Somebody's going to be taken out of the way. That's not the Holy Spirit. The church is going to be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So someone's going to be taken away. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's the church. You say, yeah, but it says he. Yeah, but the church is not always referred to as a she. The body of Christ is not a she. The church is referred to as a he many times. As the body is the army of Christ. Women didn't go out to fight. Men did. And so the church is, I believe, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now let. I think the church is the only thing standing in the way of the idiots in politics. Yes. I believe the church is the only thing standing in the way of this world going total corruption. And when that happens, then the wicked one will be revealed. Some people say, well, the church has got to reveal the wicked one. No, 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 no. He's going to declare himself. Yeah. He, you know, he doesn't need somebody to say, hey, this is the guy. You'll end up with, with uh, who's the old guy that's always been the Antichrist for years. What was his name we talked oh, about? Oh, Henry that. Kissinger. Henry Kissinger. He's not Henry Kissinger. I read a book back in the 70s that said Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist. <laughs> and someone said, uh, someone said Osama bin, bin Laden's the Antichrist. Well, he's dead and already in hell. And there's a lot of people that thought that Ronald Reagan was the Antichrist because yeah. his name, each, each of his names had six letters, 666, Ronald Wilson Reagan. And some people believe that Obama is the Antichrist. Well... Pardon me, but he ain't smart enough to be the Antichrist. <laughs> you know, I think the bottom line to your question, dear, is that, is that uh, we've we got to look at the ministry of the Holy Ghost. And we can look through the Old Covenant. We can look at the Holy Ghost and things that, that he was working before the law. We can Before Israel. Before Abraham. We can look at how he worked through Israel. We can look at how he worked during Jesus' ministry on earth during the incarnation. 
Uh, we can look at how he worked in the church when the church was being established. I always thought that the Acts of the Apostles actually should be called the Acts of the Holy Ghost because that's what yeah, we're seeing, yeah. you know. And then, and then we, we can see throughout history the hand of the Holy Ghost at work. And, uh, and we can see him in, in manifestation since these latter, latter rain revivals have come since the early 1900s. So I think maybe we can file it under he, in the tribulation, he will be here. He will have a somewhat different ministry than he had during the church age. But he will still be at work. He'll still be doing the same thing that he does. Because if we don't accept that, then we're saying that we have to do something to get saved when it's Christ that does the saving. And it's the Holy Ghost's job to make us see that the claims of Christ are true. It is the Holy Ghost who allowed you, upon hearing the Word of God, the Holy Ghost allowed you to see Jesus on the cross. The Holy Ghost caused you to see his blood paying for your sin. The Holy Ghost caused you to see him laid in a tomb. The Holy Ghost caused you to see him risen from the dead. The Holy Ghost caused you to believe these words, caused us to believe these words. And Acts, and, and Acts you, chapter 2 says the Holy Ghost still be here in the great Exactly, tribulation. exactly, it does. Did you look that up? But anyway, uh, but what I'm saying is, is that it... it uh, I've got strong delusion here. <laughs> okay. Looked up. But, but the, the point is, is that the Holy Ghost uh, will still be in the business of pointing people to the Father, and even though he will have a different ministry. So the argument is, you know, someone, you know, they're not here, they're not living for God when the rapture takes place. The argument many preachers have is God will send them a strong delusion to believe a lie. But when does he send that strong delusion to believe a lie? Does he send it immediately after the rapture? No, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he sends it after the unveiling of the Antichrist. Right. And verse 11, for this cause God shall send them strong delusion to believe a lie. That they might They be will damned. receive the mark. They will turn their allegiance to the Antichrist. And that's what it's meant by God sending them a strong delusion to believe a lie. Because they rejected God. Pretty strong stuff. You ready? Hey, yeah, I got a question here, uh, you was talking about uh, the bottomless pit, okay, and how it's going to be filled. How do you fill a bottomless pit? That's a good question. Had you thought about this, Pastor? On the what? He said, how do you fill a bottomless pit? I ain't going there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Jesus loves me, this I know, but the Bible didn't tell me the answer That's to the bottomless pit. That's how I feel about pit. it. The pit is mentioned in two places in the Bible. Chapter 6. Yeah, I know, but it's, it's mentioned in two places. We have very limited information about it. Have you ever seen the wicked witch in the tornado? Yeah. Wizard of Oz? Yeah. It may mean a symbol of we'll be constant, they will constantly be falling. How about a little fire, scarecrow? <laughs> they will constantly be falling. Constantly Falling, falling, and falling, and falling for eternity. Could be. Good question. Yeah, I've never thought Jimmy? about it. Yes. You need to answer that a little better. Well, I, you know, he's the one with all the brains. We, we buy you all them books and send you off I'm, to the seminary, and what do you do? I'm just the fiddle player. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing about all those commentaries James mentioned Anytime there's something you really want to know, they skip over that. 
Go to the Bible. <laughs> Go to the Bible. Go to the Bible. So, you know, when you listen to a lot of preaching and stuff online, the algorithms, and they start sending you different videos and TikToks and things. Sure. And I'm seeing a lot about the Euphrates drying up. Everybody's talking about it. And I don't know anything about that prophetic word about the Euphrates drying up and what's coming out of it and when that's supposed to happen. Do y'all know anything about that? It dries, go ahead, Jane. It dries up. According to Revelation, it will dry up, but it doesn't have to be running with water for the fallen angels to come out of it. I mean, it could be dried up and they could come out later on. That's just a location. But uh, I do believe that a lot of the signs we're seeing now is pointing to that. But what we need to refrain from this, you've got preachers out there telling you, well, we're at the third seal, or we're at the fourth seal, or we're at the fifth seal, or we're at the sixth seal, or we're at the first trumpet, or we're at the fourth trumpet, or we're at the fifth trumpet. That's hogwash. Because if you read these trumpets in Revelation and read these vials and read these seals, there ain't nothing been like that in the history of humanity. It hasn't been that way ever. And now there is, there is something right now that's going on about the Euphrates, and I've read about it in AP stories and just news service stories, that they're, they're over the past uh, decade or so, especially since the fall of Saddam, Saddam went on a dam-building program, and it messed up the, the flows of the river and stuff. And, you know, Baghdad and all the major cities in Iraq, and especially in central and southern Iraq, they either get their drinking water or they get their water supply from either the Euphrates or the Tigris rivers. Well, the Euphrates had become so shallow that it was not navigable, and they were used to sending wheat and stuff down from the, from the fertile lands on closer to the mountains, down south to the big cities, and they were no longer able to float those barges down the Euphrates River. That's part of that that's good, that you hear about a lot. But what the Bible has to say about it, and I always want to refer back to that because, you know, we can't live by the news reports. We have to live by what the Bible says. And in, uh, in chapter 9 of Revelation, when we get to the sixth trumpet judgment, verse 13, and the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. That looks like the mercy seat on the ark. You know, it's representative of God's throne. Say unto the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And then it says, And the four angels were loosed and were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third of the part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand. That's 200 million. And I heard the number of them, and they were to, and these are the, these are the, these are the kings of the east that are going to be coming. The Euphrates is dried up, so that that these armies from the east can come toward Jerusalem. And uh, who knows? Are they India? Are they China? Uh, I don't know. I don't know who they are. Right. But there's 200 million of them, and China. Either China or India could put a 200 million man force in the field. Or they could be demons. They, they, well, it does say that they're, they're led and backed by demons. 
It says in verse 17, And I saw the horses in this vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and of brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouth issued smoke and fire and brimstone, and by these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths, their powers in their tail, for their tails were like serpents and had heads, and with them they did hurt. Uh, a lot of people, and, I, and I'm not dogmatic either way, a lot of people say that these are armies controlled by demons because John could have been describing weapons of modern war, helicopter gunships with rockets, tanks with, 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 big, with big cannon. Uh, 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 he could be described because it says that fire comes out their heads, fire comes out their tails, smoke comes out their eyes. You know, He could be describing that, but... If they turn out to be actual demons, fallen angels, I ain't going to be surprised because right. these armies, if they're human, they're going to be driven by hell. Right. The outcome would be the same. So if you want to think they're demons, I'm not going to dispute it because I, I don't have enough information to tell either way. I have a little different take on chapter 9 of Revelation where it talks about the scorpions and the power mm -hmm. of their tail to hurt people and they wish to die and, you know, they sting them with a, 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 the scorpion, the bee-like thing. And there is, That's a, next. there is a bee in Italy that has a face like a man. But I, I, I'm thinking, because I had a vision of this as a child. I wrote about it in my book. Yeah. I'm thinking that chapter 9, the first, at least the first part. You were talking about the last part of chapter yes. 9. I think the first, the first part of chapter 9, it talks about the smoke and the, and the darkness and everything coming uh, upon the earth and people being stunned. I'm not sure that man's going to see those demons, but they'll still sting them. They'll still bite them. I'm thinking there will be things in the air that we can't see that will be demons, and they will sting men and they will beg to die. And the poison of those stings will last for nine months. That could be perfectly true because we know from what little we know about angels from the Bible, that we only see them if they want us to. It's true. And they give us a glimpse into that other dimension. You know, they're there and then they're not there. Like the angel that got Peter out of jail. He thought he was having a dream until he found himself out in the street. Then he turned around and the angel was gone. Uh, I, they only, you, know, you only see an angel when he wants you to see him. And I also want to say this. When you got people preaching that you're at the fourth trumpet or you're at the fifth trumpet, you're at the fourth seal or you're at the fifth, fifth seal, and et cetera, et cetera, get your Bible, read Revelation, and, and read about the seal. There has nothing been like. I mean, when you look at the first, second, third, fourth, fifth seal, seventh seal, there, we've never seen that before. Mm -mm. We're not there. Uh, it, what's going to happen in Revelation chapter 6 on is beyond description. It is hideous and much worse than what's going on now. Well, the Lord can tell. We may be in the middle of the tribulation right now. Oh, no, we're not. Mm. A third of the earth is not burned. A third of the population has not died. In the sea life. The massive war has not come. 
Right. No, we're not in the middle of the Great Tribulation. And stars we're, are not falling out of heaven yeah, and landing and, in the ocean. Yeah, and we're not even at the beginning of the Tribulation. No. We're at the beginning of sorrows. We're in that position of sorrows, but no, we're not in the Great Tribulation. We know that we're not because Jesus said of those days, he said, except those days were shortened, there would no flesh be saved alive. Okay, we, we have time for one more question. We've never been there before. Yes. We have time for one more question. Jimmy, you got me in trouble already tonight probably. But no, you did, you did good. Can we're blessed. Angel, angels, can, in this, in, we're talking in our day and age now, take on the form of a human because we had an incident happen when our son was just little. and it, We were in Texas, and the pastor's granddaughter and him were in a grocery cart. We were going down, and it was the granddaughter. The granddaughter started to fall. Yeah, four years started to fall out of the grocery cart. It was already out and headed head first to the floor. Huh? And concrete floor. And this man had been kind of standing, and he was quite a ways away. But he was so quick. He, she was on her way down, and this man caught her, grabbed her, and put her in the cart before she hit the floor. And then we looked around again, and he was gone. The Bible's very clear that we have guardian angels. The Bible's very clear that, that angels are, you know, they watch over us because we're heirs to salvation. And yes, Dale, you're absolutely correct. You also need to remember, too, this. In the, before the flood of Noah, there was angels that took the form of men. And it ordered the world. In Hebrews chapter one, Paul writes that, that some of us have entertained angels unawares, that we didn't know they were angels when we were with them. So good angels take care of you, bad angels destroy you. All right, we're done. Um, I said we'd get done quicker tonight. We didn't. <laughs> Do we have to pay a fine? <laughs> well, they're not going to let us take up another offer. <laughs> I appreciate Jimmy. You're a blessing, buddy. I do too. I love you guys. I love talking about this stuff. Just, just quickly, James, uh, to Daryl's question. You know, Paul says that that uh, that Satan's apostles turn themselves into into apostles of light. And that Satan also himself is transformed into an angel of light. And so his ministers could look like angels of light. Now, you know, this could be false prophets, false preachers who would tell you what you want to hear and make everything seem good. But I don't think it's too far a stretch as, as angels who take care of us, we can see sometimes. It wouldn't surprise me that angels that want to do us harm, we might see sometimes if, if the veil parts and we're allowed to see them. I will not discount that because uh, they're all angels. A third of them rebelled and followed Satan, and they're still alive and well and wanting to do us harm. And I can tell you right now, Michael the archangel, the defender of Israel, Michael's an Michael is the angel and defender of Israel, the nation. He's not out playing golf. Right. And Gabriel, who's spoken of, the other archangel who's spoken of in relation mostly to the church, he's not on a coffee break. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and they have two-thirds of the angels that God created on their side. 
and they're all for you. They love every one of you because the Son of God loves you. Amen. And a third's nothing. That's right. Compared to two-thirds good angels, a third's nothing. Amen. We got them outnumbered. Uh, I, mean, I, mean, that, I mean, that's like eating a third of a pie. That's nothing. It all depends on whether it's your third. We got to quit. We got to quit, Jimmy. Oh, no. Bless you, Jimmy. I love you, James. Love you, buddy. That's my Baptist buddy. <clears throat> We're glad you came. I am too. I'm glad let's to be here. Let's all stand and let's pray for Israel and pray for the future, pray for our children. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I realize that some of the things that Jimmy and I shared tonight, not everyone maybe agrees with, whether it be here or online. But we all can agree that, God, you are wonderful. Yes. And that you're not willing that any perish. And we can all agree that you love Israel, you love the church, and this is the last time. This is the end. We can all agree on that. We maybe can't agree on which ends what, but we can agree on the fact that this truly is a very unprecedented time in the yes, church and yes, the Lord. world history. Father, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for Israel. We pray for our grandchildren, our children, our family, our friends, that they'd all get ready, that they'd trim their lamps, make sure their lamps are burning, and they'll take all in their vessels and be ready because we know the bridegroom cometh. Father, we give you praise and honor. Thank you for this gathering. Are we going to do this again? Pardon, Lord, I got distracted here. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for Jimmy. And Lord, we're thankful that he's willing to help us again. Lord, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So Jimmy will be back with us this coming Sunday night.